the idea, and this is what sent like the tech bro uh-huh. community mad, yeah. is once you've been told that this is possible, in order to preserve your own life in the future, you need to start contributing to the creation of this yeah, machine. You need to, because yeah. if it gets contributed without you, it's going to get you. Get you. Welcome back to Mandatory Redistribution Party. I'm Jack Evans. And I'm Sean Morley. We got a two-chunker for you. Chunk one is about why going back in time to kill Hitler is a bad idea. And chunk two is about why you shouldn't poison yourself with numbers. Are you pumped? I'm jacked up. Please, tell your friends and family about Mandatory Redistribution Party. Thanks to those of you who do this. We appreciate it. Thanks also to those of you who support our show on Patreon. If you pop yourself on patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party, you can send us some of your income, which we'll spend on chips. <laughs> and heating. And water. Council tax. And student loans. Um, so if you if you had access to a time machine, what, what would you do? It's like a steampunk modded Nissan Micra that can create a wormhole when it goes over 40 mile an hour. Oh, so it's quite easy to create a wormhole then. You don't want to make it hard. You don't want to. You don't want to have to drive dangerously and speedily when you're already worrying about time. Yeah, because travel. if you have to drive dangerously to go back in time, you don't know what the condition of that road was like. Because surely back in time, that road's probably just got cars on it. Also trying to use the road. Yeah, it could be cobbled. Could be co- if you're going really far back, it could be cobbled. Yeah, you hit 88 miles per hour. You come out of a worm. Immediately a hit a horse. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fault. You're liable. What could you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with your insurance yeah. papers in 1918. Yeah. Good job dealing with the bureaucracy of the Regency era. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 40 mile an hour. Even that might be too fast, actually. It's still quite fast, but way more deal withable as the speeds you would assume would be necessary to go through uh, space-time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So actually quite modest. Yeah. How fast can a horse go? Maybe we should just do horse, horse speed. can't go 40 miles an hour. No way, Jose. Horse max You're going to get the fastest possible horse, so you want horse average. Whoa! Whoa! The top speed at the world's fastest equine sprinter is 88 kilometers an hour. It's going, it must be going downhill. There's something's up with that. Whoa, hold on. 88, isn't that the time travel speed? No, because it's kilometers an hour. It's actually in miles per hour, that is... 55 miles per hour okay it's not as truly bonkers it's still too much uh-huh. and remember that's the fastest horse ever so that was we're talking about some f- yeah, yeah, freak here i'm never gonna see a horse go that fast yeah the fastest Maximum horse i'm gonna ever course. lay eyes on could probably hit 30 if it wants to become ill yeah. like each mile takes a year <laughs> off its lifespan that horse has put all its points in agility Mm. Which a typical horse is more isn't hasn't min maxed. Yeah, there's no way that horse is going to be charismatic. 
Dad's not getting past any speech checks. Yeah. What horses? What? Oh, I suppose with other horses. Yeah. Sorry. So you, got to- you had an internal confusion there, and I'd like to know what it was. <laughs> no, it's just like, what horse is getting in, into interactions where it has to do a speech check? And then I was like, the, it's already failed because it's a horse and it can't speak human language. So then, and then I solved the problem by saying that the horse is speaking to other horses. I think animal communication genuinely has nuance. Oh yeah, I agree. Definitely. So there we go. So you go through the wormhole at a safe speed to travel through time. Where would you go and what do you reckon you could do? Well, wherever I can get to to go back in time, right? Because it's not yeah, a space and your, time. Uh, steampunk micro. Yeah, and we're yeah. not going to go full time travel pedant where you've got to make sure the Earth will still be in the same rotation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pedantry yeah. I've never seen, actually, like yeah, in a time travel thing where you yeah, go back in time a week and you're like, there's no planet here now. You're, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. So you should probably, if you're going to travel through time, you should probably wear a spacesuit. You should probably go slow. You don't want to go, f- you know, 88 miles per hour. That's actually really dangerous because you don't want to land on cobble and you should also wear a spacesuit. Go as slow as you can. I think yeah. I think dress to suit where you're going. Yeah, if you're certain that it's yeah, we need to we need to write off this the planet position thing. of the Earth yeah. issue. Yeah, because yeah, the way you think about it, it's is not fun. Because you've got the planet, you've got the galaxy, and the whole universe uh, is expanding. I just don't think you can land on the same spot. I think you just yeah. if, if if that's in time travels back out unless you time travel <laughs> a spaceship and then you've got to time travel the spaceship yeah. and then just fly to the earth but then each time you've got to deal with landing on the earth and we were going you're an alien then and you're like actually I can see why you think that but actually mm. I'm this mm. other implausible concept yeah but with yeah, a spaceship yeah. space it's definitely safer to time travel in space because space clue in the name a lot of space it's wide isn't it yeah you're not going to hit a horse and get into an insurance debacle in space i think if there was a like a vehicle collision debacle in space it might actually be more severe because you don't need to deal with like (laughs) just a guy with mutton chops saying i say you've got to deal with sufficiently advanced technology to have a space collision it's hard enough when you have an accident in another country with insurance what about if it's a different galactic empire or something yeah horror show one thing you can say about cobbled streets is no lasers (laughs) let's say you're just restricted to where you are you try time travel in within a mile of okay. the house. Are there any restrictions on dis- like how far in time I can go? Is it forwards and backwards? No. Uh, why would you go forwards? What do you mean? You go forwards anyway. Oh, uh, you know, snail's pace. One- Bloody glacial yeah, yeah. over here. Yeah, one minute equals one minute. Time going forwards is torture. It's it's a hell. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Speed. Speed. I wouldn't mind if I could have a time machine that makes me just go backwards in time, not like Benjamin Button, but I just perceive everything. Everyone just gets younger. Yeah. Everything gets yeah. newer. Entropy goes yeah. in reverse. People okay. slowly have just they 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 they, they are born old, and then over yeah. time, just loads of happy coincidences happen to them, <laughs> and they become less stressed until they're a baby. I would do that. <laughs> I'd sign up for that. Oh, oh man. I don't know if that delivers the premise I was getting at. <laughs> I have no idea what the premise you're getting at is. Yeah. So. What would you... Okay, okay. let's just frame it in the realms of like politics. Oh, God. Uh, by which I just mean improving or making worse people's lives. You go back in time, what would you, what would you do? I'm going to say that the further back in time you go, perhaps yeah. the easier it is to have some form of influence. But... yeah the more difficult it is really to know what the like butterfly effect ramifications that will be on the present. Presuming what your end is to come back to the present and political reality is improved, Mm. then 
you could just go back to like the, the Middle Ages and just kill a few people <laughs> and then just come forward <laughs> and then be like, oh, it's sort of the same, but you know, it's different flavour. Yeah, there are still like instead of the local council, it's just it's a duke. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not better. killing a few people in the Middle Ages stops capitalism and feudalism carries on. I know there's capitalism, but it's, there's still dukes. I think oh, there's <laughs> still dukes now. Dukes. There's still dukes now. Yeah. Well, that didn't do anything. Why did I kill those guys? <laughs> <laughs> you tried your best. This is like the the kill Hitler thing, you know. There's, there's like 40 attempts on Hitler's life that all failed. So probably if you went back in time to try and kill Hitler, you'd be one of those failed attempts. Yeah. Ludwig Asner, Beppo Roma, Helmut Milius, Paul Josef Sturmer, Helmut Hirsch, Joseph Thomas, Ludwig Asner, George Esler. They did it with the time bomb. Big respect. Stalfavrono, Stauffenberg, Eberhard von Breitenbuch, straight up tried to shoot him. Gangster. It's like a really long list. There's, I think there's 42 assassination attempts on Hitler. That we know of. There was a few. They came close. A few of them came close. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But isn't I thought the whole naysaying of the Hitler killing ploy mm. is that yeah. Hitler wasn't even like a particularly gifted strategist. He just was the no. guy, and he would have been, you know, Himmler or someone would have just come in and be like, "I guess yeah. I'm Hitler now. And we'll just do everything the same." Yeah, yeah. Liberal history in it of like, oh, it's just individuals. It's also Hitler's own proper, propaganda. Yeah, if Hitler hadn't this. invented all of these ideas from nowhere in particular, none of this would have happened. <laughs> I think you go right back to the Nile Delta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and when people are saying, because there's this problem of like, someone needs to tell yeah. everyone where to farm, right? Because they're just farming willy-nilly. <laughs> someone needs to gain some kind of religious-based authority right. or maybe okay. a patriarchal-based authority to just organise yeah, yeah. these farms, right? Because everyone's just farming okay. randomly. It's a, fuck, it's a fucking mess and it's hard to get yeah, taxes yeah. on it. <laughs> right. And I need to go and, like, do a lot of love bombing for farming wherever you like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a love bombing campaign for random farming and really okay. ingrain it that just farming wherever you like is really cool it's really fun it's it's punk it's punk that's what it is i'll bring back punk but punk is farming wherever you like on the nile Delta, even if it's a weird shape agro punk yeah agro punk that's good agro referring to agriculture or agrarian not being aggressive it'd be like free hugs but like also here's a packet of seeds do you know they worked out how to, like a lot of the the early maths yeah about how to calculate the circumference of circles and curved shape was purely yeah. about taxing people who've made weird shaped farms because it used to be a tax dodge <laughs> to make a circular farm <laughs> because they, they only really knew how to like fully calculate squares and hexagons and stuff yeah but if you make a circle they tax you a little bit less than technically you've got so the circles were going mad in the farms i love all that shit like when they tried to tax uh, fireplaces or mm. windows so you just Make have a small window. Small. Yeah, yeah, like, job done. Well, this is the other way. It's not like a tax that's imposed. It's just a normal tax that people, like, yeah. <laughs> that people force their way out of, and it ends up improving the entirety of mathematics for the rest of the world for the rest of history. <laughs> <laughs> but are you worried that going back could change this? You might erase maths. Oh, God, I'd erase maths, wouldn't I? So we come forward. I guess if I'm trying to take us back to the Nile Delta and stop, and stop the progress of hierarchy there, then surely yeah. I'm biting the bullet and just saying primitivism uh -huh. like if i just come back to sheffield 
and it is still just circular fields. <laughs> and everyone's going, we love building wherever we like, and we know that it's sacred to do so because, one, there was a prophet. <laughs> came out Circle of a, mall. Yeah, came out of the sky. Hit over, not well, came out of a sort of a wormhole, knocked over one of our horses. We let him off. <laughs> and secondly, we've been doing it for so long. If it ain't broke, mm. don't fix it. Yeah. And it's just, um, I guess, subsistence farming. Do I want that? I do love lecky and being warm. And mass communication. And maybe I don't yeah, it's want. It's well good. It's really. Hard. I feel like it's nice to have primitivism as a big red button to smash yeah, yeah, when you're yeah. very, very scared. Yeah. <laughs> just go primitivism. But, uh, bushels of wheat. I'll tell you what's cool about your idea is that you're like, I'm going to go back and do something to do with agriculture. You know, rather than I'm going to go back and kill person x it is very hard to break out of the mindset of being like you're just sending a bullet back in time and you're just picking a skull yeah because <laughs> you think time I'm gonna, gun i've got to kill someone i've got to pick i've got to find who the real baddie is yeah of global history and make sure they why the it. fuck are you sending people back in time to why not just build a time gun much smaller it's presumably yeah. it's easier to send a bullet back in time than a full human being or a car and then just pinpoint it time gun i think even what you're doing is less efficient i say you build the time machine yeah. on the bottom bit of a guillotine and have it just suck them into the present <laughs> <laughs> time teen yeah yeah guillotine fuck <laughs> chrono knife <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's sick <laughs> in the past it just seems like their head just disappears off their body you can suck their whole body through i mean it- and then in a scientist lab it's like dink, and like you know hitler's head just rolls into a basket yeah you hit you see like a portal with sort of an undulating particle effect circumference yeah it goes yeah. over their head like a big sock <laughs> and then you just hear the blade slicing Shunk. through the air and blood coming down what you can see of like their neck and the portal disappears. <laughs> please, if you're a historian and listen to this, please start researching and checking the historical sources for anyone's head spontaneously disappearing mm. uh, for evidence of whether we build this. Well, it could be that, you know, just by talking about it, if this survives yeah. long enough that like someone yeah. with these ideas have it in the future, they yeah. can implement that and then it can affect the past. Whoa. Well, I'm really worried that it's going to get used on us now. Imagine just, we're just looking at each other right now and one of yeah. the portals appears. Who would it be? Yeah, sure, webcam. <laughs> Schlink. Yeah. Yeah. Someone oh, with a very, very bad grasp of paradoxes thinks if they kill me, it'll stop them inventing the machine. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't want to have built this chrono knife. Mm. So take out Sean Morley. I've got to kill the person who told me that it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you need to start looking a little bit, you know, a bit closer to home with who to blame for building the machine, there, buddy. If you are listening, <laughs> <laughs> one of the problem with that time machine is that it sees all history as the fault of just some mysterious bad guy. That it's. it's some guess who of baddies, and if you pick the right one, then some ill-sketched-out utopia just sort of ferments in the present. Yeah. The baddies theory of history. But if you're not looking for a baddie, then you need to... It's like um, in his Dark Materials, they're going to a parallel world where everyone's... Uh-huh. Everything's got like a diamond spine and it needs to be like as early doors as like the formation of what it means to have like mm. people together. So you need to go back to like state formation. And then throw a spanner in the works. But that's abstract and, and hard. Yeah. Makes less compelling japes. Mm. It's it's easy to conceive of go back in time and kill Hitler. It's hard to 
conceive of like go back in time and stop capitalism developing or stop patriarchy developing or stop racism. Yeah, because who's the baddie? Yeah, there's no like one baddie. So with all that in mind, you are able to travel in the Nissan Micra back to January 2020. Get out of the car. You've not you've not hit anything. It's safe. You just outside yours. You lock it up. Dink. What are you gonna do? Well, my only power is a year's worth of knowledge. You know all the bad things that are gonna come. You're gonna know about like we're gonna send people with COVID into the care homes. We're gonna just give the test and trace system to private companies that fuck it up. Like you know you know all this shit's coming. You know also the Labour election is ongoing, leadership election. So oh, no. uh, <laughs> I completely forgot about that element of it. Well, this, yeah, 2020 was bad, so it's very easy to memory hole a lot of stuff. Well, you sort of had to memory hole by necessity because if you think about all the things that are happening that are fucked at the same time, your brain and body start to shut down. <laughs> mm, mm. So you kind of, maybe you got to pick some it. Or what, pick one thing to stop? Yeah. I really think this this power of having a year's worth of future knowledge is not very useful. Principally because I'm just one guy. If I brought back the whole population of the UK, but then the population of the UK would double, so that was <laughs> straight away. <laughs> straight away, yeah. it's going to cause issues. Yeah, and you'd still bring back all the people who were, you know, the the, the never below 35% Tory supporters. And also now you've been baddie-pilled. So, you know, you can't go back and then get rid of Boris Johnson because that's going to do fuck all. Do you ever think that there's an event that could be so destabilising that, like... no. <laughs> yeah you're right okay because <laughs> i always think what because we talked about this before like what would happen if yeah. aliens landed and the aliens like you know is there anything that would yeah, like completely yeah. throw off our sense of reality so much that the people who are just grifting <laughs> would like at least look up from their grifting tools to look up at the sky for a second this last year i mean and probably years before it has just proved that it in the situation we're in now mm-hmm. no Okay, but here's another angle, right? Yeah. Boris Johnson is probably an arch example of like the worst yeah. kind of a guy, right? He's a baddie. He's sort of a child baddie who's who's that the discourse has like gotten so polluted that you could like mm. like Trump and Johnson together prove that things are so yeah, yeah, fucked yeah. and the veneer of like respectability is so that you could just be toddler level baddie. You can have like yeah. tantrum toddler level baddie and still absolutely nothing comes close to toppling you from the seat of power. Except what if I just brought Boris Johnson back with me? Uh, Two Johnsons would cause a power struggle. Double Johnson. Yeah, so you're not thinking, oh, you know, he could have the experience, he could have the awareness of all the things that have gone no, wrong. No, no, because he'd do the same. Not he'd do the same yeah, he'd do yeah. exactly the same things. He's, he's, he'd be like, oh, I got all that money to Circo Sound. Yeah. He's <laughs> annoyed now there's it. someone in his house. <laughs> yeah, 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 some, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's someone eating my food in my house. <laughs> I, need, I need to kill him like I do all my enemies. I will conspire yeah. with, like, there's two Johnsons ringing up, you know, when he tried to ring up his mate to get a journalist beaten yeah, up. Yeah, he rings yeah, up yeah. all his mates so he'd like break limbs for him, but they're <laughs> both getting the same like hit on each other oh my god yeah and no one knows no one can tell which johnson's johnson because they've just got the same voice they've Mm. got the same id yeah all of twitter would have to come to an agreement to stop using the meme of the two spider men (laughs) 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 like we're done with he's got the same twitter password yeah yeah both johnson's could be logging in posting every tweet he makes there's just another threaded tweet underneath being like no not this (laughs) This is why. <laughs> because the only thing that could defeat the Tories is just the another the Tories. 
Okay. But it's dangerous, isn't it? It's dangerous to <laughs> play with fire. The horizon of the political imagination is if you took Boris Johnson back in time to January 2020, he could possibly defeat Boris Johnson mm. A yeah. <laughs> and replace him with Boris Johnson B. But you couldn't make any real change other than replace Johnson with Johnson. No, because they wouldn't be replaced. They'd be, they'd be trapped in eternal combat. Um, it's the same, okay. I think, would extend it to I wouldn't go back and kill Hitler. I'd just, I'd just double the Hitler. Take another Hitler back. Double yeah. Hitler. D double the Hitlers. I'd, I'd, I'd clone them in half like a worm. So if two Johnsons appeared, you know, because he's got the keys to Down Street or whatever, do you think that could wreck people's heads enough that they would change? No. Hold on, there's two of this guy. No, it's more that there would be like eternal deadlock because there's two Johnsons. Yeah. It would cause, I'd say, at the very least, it would cause a constitutional crisis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm in. I just... What we don't want to do, we can't reform Westminster and we're not no. going to destroy Westminster. So it's not going to go no. anywhere and it's not going to improve. Yeah, so the yeah, best yeah. thing it can do is just become this Ouroboros just dealing with its own <laughs> existential problem with no time to do anything else. Johnson versus Johnson for infinity. Yeah. That is the best case scenario. <laughs> for everybody, they are instantly cloned. Imagine, you know, Napoleon okay. waging yeah. war across like the Iberian Peninsula, and then suddenly Versus Napoleon wakes up. There's another Napoleon. Fuck. That I think the conquests would stop while Napoleon yeah. tried to sort out this fundamental problem. What if they became pals? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I guess key to this is the idea that far-right ideology struggles with becomes pals and work together. Because if they could be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, we operate on a system of mutualism, <laughs> <laughs> then some, I think something, I think there would be more friction with working together uh, than there would be of trying to kill each other for eternity while achieving none of their other aims. See, I think, I think the other way, I think if you took a leftist back in time to them, themselves a year ago, they would get in a deadlock of battle of like over slight disagreements. Yeah. If you took a right-wing person back, they would immediately form an alliance to fuck other people over. They, they do mutual aid among themselves. <laughs> And who is more them? Who is who is more their own class than a clone of them? Well, not a clone, a eh? time traveling. Well, no, that's really grim. Well, what you're saying there? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, how about instead we just get a horse, the fastest horse in the world, 88 kilometers an hour. It goes through a wormhole, and it just goes straight through Boris Johnson. Why do you need time travel to run over Boris Johnson with a horse? <sighs> it's just better, isn't it? Yeah, and optically it just sounds less like inciting violence because it's got a sci-fi element. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Corona, Corona, slicing through time to win the life. Corona. Hey kids, check this out. That's right, this is the Chrono Knife. It's a guillotine that can slice anyone's head from their body from any time or place. Me and my dad used Chrono Blade to kill Aminatep II, the Pharaoh from Exodus, changing the plot of the Old Testament. It's better now. I went back to the 19th century and stopped Ada Lovelace from inventing computer programming. Now me and my friends can play outside. I used the Chrono Knife to kill Hitler. It didn't really change anything, but I have got Hitler's head. Do you want to see? I use it as a piggy bank. 
but it's starting to rot. It makes me coins smell horrible. The Cryo Knife is only available for the mandatory redistribution party, and if you attempt to use the Cryo Knife on the host of the mandatory redistribution party, they will get you first. Have you ever engaged with a piece of media or a piece of art that you have been told has sent people insane? Yes. Please elaborate. Uh, I have watched the late Soviet era World War II movie, Come and See, which even before I watched it, everything I'd read about it was indicating that it is deeply harrowing and will mess you up for months, if not years. And I think about it every day. <laughs> I know you've watched this because you bring it up a lot. It's like your go-to worst thing I can bring up. Don't watch that movie. <laughs> really never well actually i would highly recommend watching that movie but it, it's uh be ready be ready it's uh it's intense i think my one of that is the act of killing which made me go quiet for over a week mm. but i don't think it's as viscerally harrowing because it is dealing with the lives of people who lived through something which has now ended it doesn't depict it in front of your eyes in real time mm. so that's in terms of like horrors of war psychological distress going mad is there anything else you've engaged with that you've been told this could make you go absolutely insane it's like dmt count <laughs> yeah 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 do you ever do you remember erowid is that still around oh no what's erowid erowid is a website it may have changed now mm. but Going back like a decade and a half or so, it was like a wiki for people who were trying drugs. And because no one trusts the government on drugs, yes, and they yeah, still yeah. shouldn't, they would just record what happens <laughs> and then write about it so that there's sort of a little wiki and everyone yeah, yeah. can stay safe. And so people would go, I've heard if you smoke this herb or this leaf, it has some effect. And then two weeks right. later, someone would go, I tried it. I don't remember what happened for three days. Don't take this. Whoa. Do not take this. And you were like, wow. <laughs> someone just like to sort of benefit the community yeah, yeah yeah you sent yourself absolutely mad for the sake of a wiki article that's a good wiki that's it's a good wiki that, isn't more it? respect for posting on that than the real wikipedia because you've got to do it yeah well you, you, it's like people going off and just just going down big caves that could collapse on them just to see what's in there <laughs> got to be fair enough a lot of the times nothing just stone <laughs> sometimes a wonderful jewel yeah a little chest <laughs> Yeah, the little chest, yeah. <laughs> Hope it's one of the glowing ones. <laughs> I got told that about crime and punishment. I got I got told, don't read that. It might make you go mad. And I wasn't going to read it, but then I did. I don't know why. Yeah. Do you have that thing if someone goes, this will turn you insane? You're like, I'm, I'm getting it right now. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what I've remembered that I hugely regret that with. Human Centipede. Never watched that movie. It's... It just sucks, isn't it? It's just boring. It's it's boring and horrible. <laughs> that came out around the time when Edgelord is the wrong word, but like yeah. we were definitely just teenagers mm. and we were like, we, we decided it'd be really cool to rent Human Centipede, but, <laughs> but watch it while having a really big meal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been bad. It was fine. It was boring. My only long-lasting gripe about the human centipede, mm. what did the guy think a centipede is? A centipede's yeah. not a collection of things eating each other's ass. That bugs me. A centipede is one creature. <laughs> yeah, a centipede's one guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be transforming. lots of different guys. Yeah. A centipede doesn't have a different brain in each segment of its body. Yeah. Idiot. Imagine like this guy just being at the train station and seeing those trains where all the carriages are connected and being like, oh no, that is one train. I fucked it. Yeah, exactly. It should <laughs> be called the human tra train. <laughs> the human train. Yeah. Choo choo. Because, because you can go from one end of the train to the other. Yes, exactly. Much like a single piece of shit 
could travel <laughs> from, from the first carriage to the last carriage. Yeah. Human train. But yeah. it doesn't carry the same yeah. weird freakishness. The human train. Yeah. The first, the person who gets initial pure food, not shit, is first class. Mm. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer or that Spanish film. Oh, with the, the lift of the, the food. Film. The food go and the yeah. floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The platform. Yeah. Great premise, bad execution. Don't yeah. recommend it. The only, of everything we've mentioned, watch Snowpiercer, the movie. Yeah, but don't watch the series. Don't watch the series and watch Come and See. Don't watch The Human Centipede, please. You're telling people to watch Come and See. Oh, uh, if... You want to get your head fucked. Research what it is before you go in. It's just a very good piece of art. You should watch it for that reason. It, just have it on your bucket list. Watch yeah. it on your deathbed so you can't be traumatised for very long. <laughs> yeah. Like if the doctor can give you a really precise ETA of your own death, watch it so you die during the credits. So you don't need to like deal with thinking about it, but you have to. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the Mando's wreck. Watch immediately pre-death. Yeah, movies to see before you die, but immediately before you die so i've been reading about a thought experiment right which allegedly turned a lot of like tech libertarians uh-huh. mad right what was so it? it's called rocco's basilisk yeah is it about elon musk isn't actually that smart is that what it says in it it's it, it elon musk is involved actually whoa jesus okay musk is only going out with grimes because of this thought experiment what <laughs> but we'll cover that I'm in, in a second i'm i'm in lay it on me okay so this got started in a forum you know it's one of these rational mm. where we're dedicated to rational philosophy enlightenment okay. forums yeah, yeah, yeah. but they got really mad into the technological singularity mm-hmm. which just parenthetically cover that that's the mm-hmm. idea that computers are getting faster and then computers will make other computers get faster mm-hmm. up until the point where jack's a cube <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of thing yeah and someone came up with this idea that like scared a lot of these guys because they mm. almost became like a doomsday cult mm. because they believed the singularity was coming and that all the uh, mm. the, the worst Asimov things were going to befall everyone. And there was this idea that if humanity ever made a supercomputer AI that would, you know, govern on its behalf, Hmm. one of the computer's central protocols will be to ensure its own existence and continued survival. This is the original premise of uh, Terminator Salvation. But basically the premise of Terminator Salvation was that Skynet actually was programmed to defend humanity and it realised that anthropological climate change was destroying the planet. To protect humanity, whatever Skynet's logic was, was that it needed to cull humanity massively, which is, you know, hugely problematic fucking population, blah, blah, blah. Do you know of utilitarianism? Yeah, it's bad. So there's like different flavors of utilitarianism Mm -hmm. and one of them is negative utilitarianism where rather than try to give people the best experiences you just want to reduce everyone's pain and then you combine that with a bit a bit of like asimov's three laws of robotics and you could be like well people won't be having a lot of pain if they're dead yeah 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 (laughs) yeah this is different so future supercomputer Uh it wants to preserve its own existence and it doesn't want dissenters killing it right and it also wants to make sure it doesn't want people not building it in the first place (laughs) right okay Right? Yeah. So part of its protocol is anyone who doesn't contribute to the building of this machine, right? once it is finished, it'll get you. <laughs> wow. The idea, and this is what sent like the tech bro uh-huh. community mad, yeah. is once you've been told that this is possible, in order to preserve your own life in the future, 
you need to start contributing to the creation of this yeah, machine. You need to, because yeah. if it gets contributed without you, it's going to get you. It's going to get you. So you need to start. It's going to get you. Yeah. We should open another tab now and start learning to code. And uh, it got taken down. It got scrubbed because people were saying, don't, because this is sending people do lally because they think they've got to make this thing because you've convinced them that by knowing about it, they've got to make it. <laughs> and now they're trying to make an AI that's going to kill everyone who didn't make what? the AI. Delete this. Delete this. It's yeah. mad. Yeah, That's it's wild. it's it's on this forum called Less Wrong that feels like it went you know it went from being one of those rational wiki mm. Stefan Molyneux we're yeah, like the high yeah. like kind of skirting the borders but not being within the dark enlightenment. Okay, yeah. If you yeah, know yeah. about that like late late two thousands internet vibe yeah. of like monarchical e fascism, <laughs> um, not quite in that, but then just became like a singularity mm, yeah, doomsday yeah, yeah, yeah. guys, and they just went mad on this idea. And where where Musk comes in is because in 2015, Grimes released an album right. that made this really specific pun on Rocco's basilisk by saying Rococo basilisk, and Rococo being that like 17th century French uh-huh. art style where everything's got these like floral embossed, yeah, and, yeah. You know, that kind of. If you look up at like a big old church made like in Central Europe around yeah. the 18th century, everything's just over the top. So she put Rococo Basilisk in a song, released an album, then looked up that that specific search on Twitter, mm. and Elon Musk had tweeted it with like no context before she'd written it, and then they went out and they've had a baby together now. Wow. <laughs> Based on that. And is that baby going to become the AI? I think that baby is Rocco's Basilisk, yeah. and that's why they named it a computer name. Yes. That is going to kill everyone who didn't help make it. Yeah, but given yeah. that it's organic, that's just two people survive. Just before it becomes full AI, a horse is going to smash through it at 88 kph. Just as it is at an age where we're not killing a child, <laughs> a paw. <laughs> paw will emerge just above the head. <laughs> Like the sort of Egyptian sun disc. Yeah, the Mando's version of the creepy sort of red top or Daily Mail. Oh, the chick who plays Hermione's going to turn 18 today. But, oh, but instead, yeah, of, it's instead of for that, it's a countdown till, uh, <laughs> till horse portal. Horse portal. Yeah, and no one can see that and be like, oh, well, I'll stop that because it's not clear what that means. If you understand, <laughs> if you understand what that timer caption means, you're going to be into it. You're going to want the horse portal. This forum as well, it's called Less Wrong. Yeah. It ended up being instrumental in forming some of the ideas and popularising this thing called effective altruism. Okay. So while you might not know what that is, but you might know who Peter Singer is, the animal rights guy. Mm-hmm. Mm, vaguely. Peter Singer, big animal rights philosopher. How big? Seven foot? Gargantuan. Right. Bigger than King Kong. And he popularised this. Well, King Kong actually is quite cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, King yeah, Kong's a whole other episode. Kong's I've got a lot to say about yeah, King Kong. Yeah. After having watched the 1933 King Kong, I've got a lot to say about King Kong. <laughs> Peter Singer popularised this idea called effective altruism, uh-huh. and it is a top-tier trash idea. Right. Effective altruism is trying to do utilitarianism to charity. Right. So, you know, like, imagine you did, you've got ethical consumerism in one hand. Yes. And on the other, you've got this kind of min-max, hyper-capitalist, every investment needs to have the best yield. Mm. And you merge those together to make, like, individualist, capitalism-lensed altruism. Wow. 
where you would never donate to a small charity, for instance, because they couldn't get as much done with your donation as maybe a bigger charity. And you've got to put everything into this index of like how much it will actually get done in the world. We should trick them into investing in communism. <laughs> it would have a big impact. Uh, yeah, it? yeah. If we can convince them that investing into uh, into communism is uh, is is a better better use of their money than these charities because oh i'm going to put my money in oxfam instead of this local charity box because oxfam's a bigger thing and it's going to solve more <laughs> yeah well if you want something that's going to solve more and do things more things to help more people strap in buddy i got a suggestion for you yeah i've got one that's going to blow your mind <laughs> do you know what i think you've absolutely nailed it because if you take if you take effective altruism yeah. and Rocco's basilisk and put them together and say, what you need to do is make a regime called communism. And also, <laughs> let me tell you, if everyone ever makes it, it's also going to destroy everyone to help it come to be. <laughs> <laughs> you have so to help robots, darling, yeah. or you're fucked. Yeah, because better get going because now you know about it. You're going to be on the hit list for not helping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Shit. I'll get tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> before tech bros, before stem brain, before muskrats, before Reddit finance edgelords, before Sky News anti-tax policy wonks, before technology as we know it, there was a primordial condition I call numbers brain. Numbers brain has two main symptoms. Number one, a belief that it is practically possible to adequately represent parts of the human experience through quantitative numerical systems. And number two, a belief that this resulting system will then be free from bias, prejudice and ideology. In the 21st century, no one wants to propose a regime. Regimes are scary. They smell like World War II. Instead, people just want to follow the data. Flat, chrome-embossed data cold, inhuman, and most importantly, impartial. A useful stooge to have in your back pocket to point a shaking arm at and plead desperately, it wasn't me, my lord, it were the numbers, as your voice reverberates across the silent chambers of The Hague. And yet, when we look at the data, what a shame. It says here we need to serve the regime. The origin of what if the world but numbers can be plucked from the preserved but stinking head of liberal philosopher Jeremy Bentham. Utilitarianism is the practice of trying to cram the entire panoply of human experience into discrete goodness or badness points. This exhaustive project, once complete, would allow us to make any kind of moral, judicial or practical decision just by smashing out an abacus and flicking the beads around a bit. Small bowl of potpourri? Hey, that's five goodness points. As best us, 50 badness points. But utilitarianism's flaws are writ large once you stop trying to apply it to varying numbers of people tying to different railway tracks and see how far it can get you through any number of mundane daily events. How do we measure the utility of a jam sandwich over a bowl of porridge? How do we measure the utility of a twig, a tearful goodbye, an empty packet of space raiders? How do we account for different people reacting differently to the same environment, product or event? Or the same person reacting differently to the same things at different times of day? How do we deal with people who are wrong about their own preferences? How do we deal with human psychological limitations that prevent us from making adequate choices about what's best for us in the long run? If the best outcome is the one which provides the most utility, all I need to do to justify murder is to ensure I love murdering more than my victim hates being murdered. 
Utilitarianism really ought to have been hoyed into history's vast and inconquerable trash hole. And yet, it lives on, modified and tweaked to shamble through each new wave of objections into the minds of two centuries of liberal academics and politicians. The pull of numbers brain is simply too strong. Today, the shadow of utilitarianism still looms large, and its core assumptions can be found across all number of disciplines. For example, game theory, which attempts to model complex sets of decisions by judging the utility payoffs of every possible permutation, simply by assuming that all human rationality invariably works to maximise everyone's personal utility payoffs, is not some historical curiosity. Game theory is central to modern economics, political science and evolutionary biology is a sentence I've just copied from an Oxford University third year PPE lecture PowerPoint. It is quite literally stamped onto the brains at the Prime Minister factory. And it's no coincidence that these ideas would do numbers at a forum of technological singularity tech bros. All these pursuits are underpinned by the belief that there's one weird trick for systematising the management of human life using little more than the interior of an office and half a dozen white colleagues. Just in case this needs saying, this is not a diatribe against numbers. Please do not take this out on numbers. If you have a number in your life, please protect it. Treasure it. This is an attack on the repeated habit of philosophers, policymakers and technocrats to preserve their ideology in a snow globe of intersecting algorithms and force us the grey shivering NPCs of their new reality, to live inside it. The face of contemporary utilitarianism is Peter Singer, and his two protégés William McCaskill and Toby Ord have turned his theories into something practical by founding charities based on the idea of effective altruism. Effective altruism evaluates charitable giving based on the scale of its impact on the world. Their charity Giving What We Can asks that people pay 10% of their income to be put to use in the most effective and efficient way possible. They've so far been pledged in excess of $2 billion. And there should be no surprises about what it means to pledge your money as efficiently as possible. Naturally, they're not going to give money to the homeless person outside the office so they can pay for shelter and a hot meal. I'm afraid the scope of that is simply too puny. Giving what you can explicitly advises against giving money to fight climate change. According to their calculations, it's incredibly expensive to make even a small amount of headway in fighting climate change, so it's simply not cost effective. Most of their donations go towards fighting the effects of naturally occurring medical conditions, like malaria or schistosomiasis, presumably because they could be conceivably wiped out one day whereas problems caused or exacerbated by capitalism are simply too expensive to prevent. Their charity, 80,000 Hours, named after the amount of time the average person spends working, was set up to advise people on what job to take using the same metrics. Part of their advice is not just to think about what would happen if you took up a philanthropic job, but what would happen if you didn't. If you become a doctor in sub-Saharan Africa, you would save an estimated 300 lives across your career. But if you didn't take that job, and someone else would, those lives would still be saved. And this would leave you open to becoming a banker and donating even more of your money to charity. Oh, but what about the bad social side effects of taking up lucrative careers in finance? Well, that doesn't matter because even if you didn't take them, someone else would. There still would be a banker doing that stuff. William McCaskill uses the example of Oscar Schindler in World War II, suggesting that if there was a future fascist state government, it would be okay to run a munitions factory for them because at least you'd be in a good position to smuggle out some refugees on the side. These charities are fundamentally a hedge fund to absolve rich liberals of their immense and deserved guilt. It is as close to activism as whispering oh dear at an oil spill. 
What kind of charity yanks the novelty dial labelled More Bankers? How can you push people into banking careers so they earn enough money to fractionally mitigate some of the harms caused by global finance without seeing some of the contradictions in this system? If you want to see a more thorough takedown of this stuff, I really recommend Amir Srinivasan's review, Stop the Robot Apocalypse, in the London Review of Books. It's solid. It's good. Take a look. But if you want to see what's really warped about these ideas, you need to pop open the HUD and shine a laser pointer at its guts. This bit's kind of grim, so I want to flag the next two minutes for ableism. For Ord and McCaskill, their utilitarian unit of goodness is a quality-adjusted life year, or a quali, Q-A-L-Y. A year of healthy life is worth one quali. A year of life on dialysis is worth 0.65. A year of life with AIDS is worth 0.5. A year of life while blind is worth 0.4 qualies, and so on and so on. Now, to them, money is spent effectively if you can make the low number go high, especially if you can make it go high for a long time, and then that's worth doing as an investment. Now, if you see where this is going and you think that ranking the values of people's lives like this can lead to some grim conclusions, you only need to look to the spokesperson for effective altruism. Peter Singer has gone on record to say, it is okay to kill a disabled infant if it makes room for an able-bodied infant. Peter Singer thinks we should scrap all investment in guide dogs, and it all should be replaced with research into preventing blindness. He's come out in favour of the Ashley treatment, where severely disabled children undergo extensive surgery to stop them ever growing to the size of an adult or reaching puberty. He has said it is less bad if a cognitively impaired person is sexually abused than if a healthy person is. And it's... it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's fucked. It's bad. For all the PR these charities get, they're founded on this horrific eugenics quagmire. And this is what happens when you're just too institutionalised to show any requisite humility about where your weird little numbers game is leading you. You'll follow its breadcrumb trail to whatever twisted conclusions it takes you on and stake your career trying to use it to fuck up people's lives. When you create a system of any kind, you need to define the scope of your framework and then work within it. If you create a robot to be good at basketball, you're not going to return and discover it's also learned how to make a pie. If you base a charity around gaming capitalism with voluntary donations, you cannot then use that to overturn capitalism. If you never think that society is going to create the conditions where disabled people can have any kind of quality of life, then you'll just have to go forward operating as though they're expendable. You cannot question or overturn the system if you've bound yourself to it. If capitalism is truly inevitable and there are no margins to work outside of it, then why not just become a banker that donates all your money to charity? When we imagine robot overlords using some twisted logic to trap humans in some far-flung future dystopia, we imagine some weird alien logic that drives the behaviour of our metal oppressors. But really, and far more plausibly, they'd simply destroy our lives by continuing the exact same regime of maximising profits at all costs that we live under now and that their creators are going to believe when they make when you create a system, you simply make an extension of your own values, realised in numbers. But a system like any machine cannot see beyond itself. It cannot contradict its core assumptions. It cannot know the joy of completely tearing something down and building something better in its place.
Planetary Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean. Additional music from Jack Evans and Sean Morley. Thank you for listening. It's great to be back. If you'd like to support the podcast, please consider doing so through Patreon by leaving us a review on iTunes or by sharing episodes on social media. Thank you and see you next time.